Hello, Texans. Welcome to the program as we do a Tuesday night thing. John Harris and I bringing you a bunch of talk about a bunch of different things related to your Houston Texans, the NFL, and beyond. Sometimes we go beyond the blue lot. Johnny, how are you doing this evening? Doing okay, Mark. Spent my afternoon in the endodontist chair getting a root canal. So Oh, gosh. I don't know if that's – I don't know. Is, I, I tried to think of what the equivalent would be mm-hmm. for one of us dealing with, uh, you know, a jaw issue or root canal or whatever the case might be. I guess that's kind of like maybe a sprained MCL I'm trying to play through if I'm a player. I don't know. Uh, but hopefully – uh, the the numbness is starting to wear off, so hopefully by second segment, I I will be fully fully in it, or I will walk in there and take a bunch of painkillers that I have left over from my back surgery back in November. Look, that could make the show a lot better. You want a bunch of painkillers, <laughs> heavy medication? Why not? Don't operate the machinery. That's Look, true. I think that uh, in this business, when you speak on the radio a lot, coffee is a performance enhancing drug. All right, Captain, right. no doubt about That's that. True. And look, with my um, I've had throat issues over the years due to reflux and other things. And and that's like playing in not pain so much. It's just I can't cut on the knee the way I normally would. It's the athlete equivalent or the uh, announcer equivalent of an athlete injury that way. Anyway, (laughs) we didn't get on the air to talk about that. I hope you feel okay, my friend. Uh, A few things before we go anywhere, by the way, I don't think we got to this yesterday, but the passing of Alex Gibbs, who spent some time here, the Kubiak administration, offensive line guru. And I'll never forget the day, Johnny, that Gary Kubiak told me that Alex Gibbs wanted to come here because he was very excited about it. He, didn't, he wasn't here yeah. right away in the Kubiak era, but he got here and clearly transformed the way the offensive line work was going. And Alex Gibbs was an interesting guy. You knew the past, the history with the Broncos and everything else he had done in his career. Alex Gibbs was always the first guy on the bus. He often took the staff bus to the plane for road trips. He just wanted to be on that bus. And he was just one of those guys If the meeting starts at noon. He's there at 1130. He's just that kind of guy. You're that kind of guy too. I think it's a coaching thing maybe, but Alex (laughs) Gibbs has done so many things in this league and he passes away at the age of 80. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Yeah. I'm glad you did, Mark. I I thought about that uh, last night and I don't think – how do I say this? I don't know that Alex Gibbs will ever truly be appreciated for his greatness. When I think about offensive line coaches, guys that have done it for – you know, did it for decades, guys you could probably put in the Hall of Fame for just being Hall of Fame offensive line coaches, it's Dante Scarnecchia, it's Alex Gibbs – Mike Munchak has been fantastic. I don't know. He's done it as long as those two guys did. We know that James Campen has been excellent, um, and we're glad to have him here in Houston. But to me, it's Dante Scarnacchia, uh, and it's Alex Gibbs. And mm-hmm. listening to Alex Gibbs teach zone blocking and going back and watching the Texans, that offensive line, 08, 09, 10, 11, and what they did and how they did it and the precision with which they did it, it was amazing, and Alex Gibbs was a was a major major part of that. And I think when the story is written about the the zone running game, if Alex Gibbs isn't the first name that gets brought up, he's definitely going to be the biggest chapter in that zone running game. And 
it was amazing to watch the Texans run it and run it so well after it had been done so well in Denver. And Alex Gibbs was a big part of both of them. So RIP coach, he was, uh, you know, I had heard he was kind of a surly sort, but didn't matter. He was a great coach. <laughs> Guys like playing for him uh, and yeah. he got the most out of them. And he was consistent uh, with what he did and how he taught it. And he taught it for uh, years after he even retired. So uh, hopefully his legacy will be carried on by some of the great offensive line coaches in the league now. But like I said, when the zone running game, the history of the zone running game is written by somebody, Alex Gibbs is going to have a pretty significant chapter for sure. Yeah, and several Texans weighing in on social media, including former center Chris Myers on what Gibbs meant to them. All right, let's move on here as this is the day after the anniversary of Disco Devolution Night at Comiskey Park in 1979. I bring this up, Johnny, because, and for those who don't know, the idea that night at Comiskey Park, the old Comiskey Park, was to just burn and blow up a crate of disco records because everyone's getting sick of disco in the late 70s. Uh, It turned into uh, much more of an event than that, (laughs) much more than they anticipated. Uh, You know, what could go wrong with fire and cheap beer and, you know, south side of Chicago, whatever. But it uh, it all happened in 1979. I bring this up because it, it made me think disco today. You know what? Look, nobody liked the disco duck disco. But you put on the Tramps and Disco Inferno, and I dare you not to tap your feet. Yeah. Uh, some of that disco stuff was born out of soul, all right? Yeah, and the Bee exactly. Gees obviously made it hugely popular in the suburbs at the time. Uh, some of the greatest songwriters of all time. But there were so many great soul artists who turned to it. Now, some of it got kind of like hokey and whatever. Yeah. But some of it is actually, you know, decent stuff. I say this because... What is something that you didn't like at the time, sports-wise, but now you look back and say, you know what, that was actually pretty good. Not as bad as I thought, or actually like it now. Not saying that we love disco now, but there's a nostalgia aspect to it. So it doesn't even have to be you. It it could be something that maybe people didn't like or appreciate at the time, but now they appreciate that athlete, that team, that sport, that event, whatever it is. Do you have one for me? Yes. Okay. I've got one. I, I definitely have one in the sports realm. I've got one other that's out of two. I got two right now in the sports realm. Okay. Three, and then one that's out of it. And you'll laugh when you hear that last one. Um, All right. We'll go back and forth then. Give me your first one. Okay. So my first one, and you'll laugh at this, uh-huh. but when I was growing up, I hated Larry Bird. Hated him. Good one. Hated him. Okay. Slow. Like, he's ugly. I, I, he's always beating up on my teams. I grew uh-huh. up, uh, I was born and raised in Wisconsin. I got here when I was 11. So I suffered through the, the Celtics beating the Bucks all the time. Mm-hmm. I then suffered through the Celtics beating the Rockets in the, in the uh, championship series, the NBA finals twice. He's always beating my guys. Always. It was my freshman year at Brown. 19, it was the spring. So it was 1991. And the Pistons were playing the Celtics mm-hmm. in, uh, in Detroit or Auburn Hills. Right. And we went to a, a bar in downtown Providence. And we're watching the game, and the bar's packed. I mean, packed. And we're in there watching the Celtics just go toe-to-toe with the defending, back-to-back defending champs. 
Right. And it's, it's a fait accompli. I mean, the Celtics are, I mean, they're too old. They just, they don't have it. And I'm just watching the Celtics and bird. And I'm like, Oh, this is, I mean, we're just, we're chanting. Well, the next spring was even better. Went to go see the Portland trailblazers, 1992 Portland trailblazers and the Celtics in the garden, double overtime bird had 48 and it was one of those vintage Larry Bird games where it, you couldn't stop him. And, I mean, he's on his last, he's on his last legs. Sure. And the Blazers can't stop him. Jerome Kersey, Duckworth, they even put Drexler on him. They even put Terry Porter in a double team at times. Bird hit everything. And I'm standing on my chair. I'm kind of, kind of angled, uh, kind of off the baseline, kind of down the sideline, about 10 rows back. So I'm pretty close. And I'm on my chair with the rest of the people, and I'm just chanting, Larry, Larry. I'm talking five years earlier, I was like, I hate this guy. But as time has gone on, I learned to appreciate what he, how he did it, mm-hmm. how he went about things, and what he was able to make out of being one of the lesser athletes on the court. And yet as a basketball player, he had every skill imaginable. And I realized – that I loved guys that shared the ball. And for that reason, I, I just day after day after day became such a big fan of Larry Bird. And I hated him. Now I completely love him, and I think he's, I think he's fantastic. That's a good one. That's kind of how I feel about Magic, actually. Back in the day, I didn't like him because I rooted for the Celtics back in the day. Yeah, I rooted for the Celtics except in the 86 finals when they played the Rockets because I was kind of sick of the Celtics at that juncture. So I guess I was never really a true fan. And I wanted Olajuwon and Sampson to beat the Celtics, but they couldn't do it. Lost four two. But anyway, uh, we're doing this because last night's anniversary of disco demolition night at Comiskey made me think of this things that you used to not like or not appreciate, but you do now. All right. I'm going to be very careful with this one, Johnny, but showing Vanderkid a little bit about the history of the NFL old Cowboys. I want to be clear on this. It's just, all right. It's not like I love them or anything, but there's something about, I do appreciate Tom Landry. I appreciate Roger Staubach. I do appreciate those guys for what they meant to the game, even as the villains. And those are the guys that formed the America's team thing back in the day. But when you compare them to the obnoxious, Cowboys of the nineties, the Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones, all that stuff into what this, into what their fan base has become, not doing really anything worthy of what their past was for the last quarter century. You you start to appreciate what those guys meant to the game, the contribution to the NFL. They had a certain image. It was their thing. They were the computer Cowboys, the corporate Cowboys, Landry and the fedora and the suit and everything. And there's just something about them that you have to understand because the NFL had so many great characters back then. And they, not not that I'm even a fan now, but I'm a fan of what they were because everybody plays a role in this drama and they played such a great role in this drama in the seventies. So I think old Cowboys are one of those things that I can appreciate now back then you just kind of hated them. Now you're like, Hey, they have their spot in history and that's pretty cool. I don't know. Did I phrase that? Okay. As a Texan. Yes. Yes, you did. Cause when you first said it, I'm like, I don't (laughs) know how you're, I don't know how you're getting out of this one, but you, you, 
you did you did pretty well. Okay. Okay. This one, mm-hmm. I know you'll chuckle at this, but on Sunday, I sat here. I was getting. I, I wanted to go for a walk, and I usually go for about an hour long walk. So sometimes I just got to get up the 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 energy to do it. And I'm sitting <laughs> here, and I and I can't get off the couch because UEFA Euro 2020 mm-hmm. now played in 2021 is going down to penalty kicks and I am cheering like mad for the English national team. Yep. They got a lot of my guys from Man City, Raheem Sterling, John mm-hmm. Stones, got a lot of uh, Phil Foden who was not able to play and on pen- and penalty kicks people probably know the story but the last three English players were stopped. Yep. And the Italian goalie was amazing. He stopped he stopped That's two of them hit the by post. The way. That's it incredible. was incredible. So it's absolutely imperative on the last because Italy is going first. So it's imperative that Italy, Giorgino gets stopped. And Jordan Pickford stops his shot. And Mark, I jumped off the couch and I went absolutely crazy. And then Saka's shot gets stopped. Uh, by Donamura, and I'm just like distraught. And it hit me when you sent me the text of what we're going to talk about. It hit me. I was like, soccer, I could not stand. Right. I could not stand it. I mean, even uh, probably five years ago, I wasn't even watching soccer. I would watch the U.S. national team. I would watch World Cup. Right. But I didn't know who guys were. I might maybe know the top two guys. But you're watching two countries in a non-world cup and you care. And I'm going nuts. And I know guy, I know the guys on both sides. Yep. I know who they play in their professional leagues wow. for. It is a complete and total 180. I love watching, especially European soccer, because I definitely watch the Premier League. And when we went over in 2019 and we got to see Fulham, now Fulham was in the ch- in championship, the level below. Uh, where Ted Lasso's uh, Richmond team will be, AFC <laughs> Richmond will be in season two. They'll be in the championship. It's still – there was just a, a feel about English professional soccer. It was so cool. And I get, I get it now. And five years ago, I'm like, man, you guys are a bunch of idiots. Really? You, you like what team? You like Arsenal? Who's Arsenal? Like what's Ar- – man, now I'm just – I'm crazy for it. I can't get enough of it. And I'm watching, I'm watching these tournament games and it's just mind boggling. And I know my wife will get mad at me, but on my drive out to Los Angeles, I put my phone on YouTube TV and I watched in air quotes, uh, Germany and England on my way out there. My wife calls me at some point. So we talked for about 20, 25 minutes. It's nil, nil. I turn it back on. It's two nil. England's taken (laughs) They've scored twice. I was so mad at her. I was like, you could have called later. But either way, soccer is definitely, uh, and in particular, international soccer, uh, I, I will watch any day of the week. Um, but it really, really hit me the other day when I'm watching that Euro championship. And I'm like, I – and it, was, it wasn't just a championship. I was watching, like, the group games, the group-level yeah, games. And sure. I was loving those. They were fantastic. They're big. They're big. And, by the way, we have Gold Cup coming up at NRG stadium in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. So people want to take yeah. advantage of that. And hopefully it'll be Mexico playing and we've got to see Ooh. some action with the Mexican national team L3. All right. We're doing things that 
you didn't appreciate before, but you might appreciate now, or maybe nobody appreciated it in honor of the anniversary of disco demolition night last night, Comiskey Park, 1979. All right, I got another couple here, so I want to get through them. Uh, here's one I think is getting a lot of play right now. I'm, I'll go to the NBA here for a moment. Tracy McGrady. <laughs> Tracy <laughs> McGrady. I'll tell you. Tracy yeah. McGrady. James Harden, one of the great players of our day. But for Rockets fans, not well liked. The way it ended, never yeah. got over the top. I'm sure someday he'll be more appreciated than he is right now. But I think it's yeah. gotten a lot of people to appreciate McGrady more, even though he didn't have any playoff success at all here, right? Right. They went to one second round series here while he was still on the roster, but he was hurt. It was our test and it was Yao taking them to the second round. They beat Portland in the first round. Then they lost to the Lakers in round yeah. two. Yao got hurt. We know the rest of the story, but McGrady was so great in the regular season here and he's a hall of famer. And it's almost like since he didn't do well in the playoffs, I'm not saying that exonerates him, but you just look at the body of work regular season wise and it's phenomenal. Now, so is Harden's obviously, yeah. but there was something about McGrady. I don't know. And I think that he's, he's much more appreciated now maybe than he was then. Am I wrong about that? I just feel a different kind of vibe for him these days. Now that it ended badly with Harden and the Rockets fan base. Yeah, I, I think you're dead on. You, you want to put another one in that category? This won't even count for yeah. either one of us. Okay. But I think Shabby, I think Matt Schaub fits in that category. I had him written down, Johnny. I had Schaub okay. written well, down well, as one of my – no, because okay. Schaub, I think, is one of those guys, too, where, look, it ended badly. We all know the mm -hmm. way it ended. But what he meant to this organization and lifting them, lifting this offense from nowheresville yeah. to top four in the league three out of four years – when they really got rolling with Kubiak and Alex Gibbs, who we discussed at the beginning of the segment. I mean, they were really going good for a while. Even when Rosenfels was in there, they were moving the ball very well, but Schaub lifted the organization up to another level and unfortunately could not finish the job. 2011 gets hurt 2012. They can't get home field advantage when they had it right in the crosshairs. So didn't end well, 2013, obviously disaster, but there were some good times offensively there for a while. And I think he is more appreciated in some ways now than he was then. And I think you just said one. What? And he might be at the top of this list hmm? because in 2010, this city, I mean, I was here, this city wanted to run Gary Kubiak out, like yeah. out six and 10 can't play like out. Don't care. He went to Pius. Don't care. He's from Houston. Don't care. He went to AM. Out. Move on. It's time. Let's go. Let's move on. And then two playoff seasons mm -hmm. and two AFC South championships. And then, of course, the bottom just falls out in 2013 in one of the weirdest ways. I honestly don't think that Gary Kubiak was ever truly appreciated. I think now people look back and think, man, Gary Kubiak, wow, look what – and look, he went to Denver, he won a championship as a, as a head coach. If you saw the 53 on him, you really, truly uh, understand what that meant to win a championship oh as God. a head coach for him. And that 53 was fantastic. I mean, Drew did a great job going and seeing him, but the guys putting that together. I know Gavin was a big part of kind of hooking everybody up and doing all that. Tyler but Mark I think Gary Kubiak, Gary Kubiak – he he epitomizes this list. I mean, Gary Kubiak is disco night. I mean, because fans were just <laughs> done. And yeah. Gary was everything that's right about a football coach. Yeah. He was everything that's right about a football coach. 
And I saw a poll, and I can't remember how this poll popped up. It popped up on my Twitter feed, and it it ranked – not ranked. It was a poll of who was your favorite Texans coach, and it included all interim coaches. Mm-hmm. So I think there were like seven coaches maybe on this list. Kubiak was at 87%. Yeah. 87%. I, I think people – not just me. I think people truly appreciate what Gary has done. All right, I'm going to go to – uh, mine here. This isn't a non-sports one. You'll laugh when okay. you hear this. Okay. First of all, you know my movie watching can kind of be all over the place. Yes. I mean, I haven't seen Scarface yet. Ugh. There are a few others I haven't seen. Ugh. But when I saw Pulp Fiction for the first time, I watched it with my wife. That's my excuse. I watched it with Paige, and I yeah, just was a- like, Ugh. I don't get it. I don't know. I yeah. don't see it. So then I started a few years after that, many years after that, I was doing radio with our buddy, Sean Pendergast. He's my first on-air partner. And he kept talking about Pulp Fiction. I was like, one day I finally just kind of fought back. And I was like, man, you like that movie? I said, that movie is just it's terrible. It's I, I don't get it. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, no. You got you to gotta watch it again. You yeah. got to watch it again. And so I did. I watched it by myself. And I was like, this is one of the great movies of all time. I mean, this is a Quentin Tarantino movie that is just fantastic. Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. falls in this category for me. And I know it, it got a lot of good reviews for people early on. Right. I was not one of them, mm-hmm. but I went back and watched it again and loved it. Absolutely loved it. And it, it dawned on me <laughs> that there are certain movies that you just have to watch with a certain group of people. That's my true wife too. with Pulp Fiction was not the right no, person. No, no, that, that's not a date movie, especially. You know, look, it was groundbreaking stuff. In fact, I'm listening to a podcast. It takes me like three days to listen to a podcast, but I'm listening to one with uh, Tarantino and Joe Rogan right now, and he's talking about how groundbreaking that was and Reservoir Dogs was before that. Uh, yes. I was similarly reacting to it at the time, Johnny, and I, I feel that. I'll give you another one completely opposite end of the spectrum, though, that I didn't really like when I first saw it in the theater because uh, I was with a date, Dumb and Dumber. It's a, I think it's very much a guy movie. <laughs> it is like if you're in the right frame of mind, because I watch it now and I crack up like a kid. It's like it's so stupid. Jim Carrey in the car and holding his ears. And, and you know, when they when they do the rat poison bit and it's so stupid, but I die laughing. It's so funny. Watching Dumb and Dumber. Oh, it's just, so it's one of those movies. And again, uh, if you join us late, it's things you didn't appreciate when they came out, mostly sports, but we're now doing entertainment. I'll give you one more quick one. Pierce Brosnan, is Brosnan as James Bond. The movies Ooh. aren't very good. And I've said this before. The script writing when he was Bond was pretty hokey and terrible. It really was. If you gave him Daniel Craig's scripts, it would be a lot better. I think he was underrated, and I appreciate him even more now because I just, I I don't know, sometimes I think Craig isn't right for the job, and I wish Brosnan had these scripts, but now he's probably too old for it. Anyway, that's a whole other subject for another day. All right, that's that segment. You know what the next segment is? Who's better? We do it on Tuesdays most often, and it's coming up next here on Texans Radio. 
It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as we just had fun with that last segment. Things that you didn't appreciate at the time due to Disco Demolition Night in 1979, the anniversary of which was last night. And things that you appreciate more now that time passes. And that could be a whole host of things. Boy, we could do a whole show on food like that. Food that you didn't like back in the day, but you love it. You know, when I moved here, Johnny, I thought the Texas barbecue was okay. I was like, that's pretty good. Now I salivate for it. It's one of those things, you know, it just wasn't a thing in other places where I lived and I didn't get it. I was like, well, where's the salad? You know, where's, where are the fries <laughs> barbecue. And I know some barbecue restaurants serve fries and I really appreciate that. Cause I still like to break format and have French yes. fries with barbecue. I really do. I love that. And I love having a salad with it too, but you're supposed to have coleslaw. You know how it goes. You know what the uh, script is for Texas barbecue. Anyway, let's get to who's better. Cause okay. I think some of these could take a while. So we got to just dig in right away. Uh, who's better, Johnny. I'm going to go right to it. Green Bay quarterbacks, Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. We still don't know what's up with Rodgers. Who's better, Brett Favre or Rodgers? And I want you to think hard on this one because a lot of people would automatically say, well, Rodgers, look at the talent. You know, you know how I feel about Rodgers sometimes. I think mm-hmm. sometimes people just salivate over Rodgers' quarterbacking ability. But I recently saw a Brett Favre retrospective, and I thought, you know, he was so good and influenced so many people. I think he's way more of a folk hero than Rodgers will ever be, even if Rodgers wins the Super Bowl this year. Favre has won Super Bowl and a loss. Rodgers has won Super Bowl, right? One championship. Yes. That's it. So yeah, that's it. who's better, Johnny? To me, this comes down to the difference between a shooter and a scorer. Okay. Rodgers is a shooter. Favre is a scorer. Interesting. And that's because I think Brett had so many gunslinging attributes. Mm-hmm. Everything in a gunslinger, I mean, he had it. I mean, he had no fear. Throw off his back foot. I mean, flip it forward. I mean, the things Brett Brett was the king of. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, great play, Brett. I mean, he was the king of that. I want Rodgers. Because to me, Rodgers is Steph Curry. Brett Favre is Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was not maybe a guy that was the best shooter, although he could shoot. But, man, he could score. And you knew what you were getting with Allen Iverson. But Steph Curry's a shooter. He's a scorer, too, but he's a shooter. And it, it, it doesn't matter where he is on the court. He is going to find a way to hurt you. And I, having probably some coach in my background, being a coach's son, being a coach myself, I'm probably a little bit more risk-averse. So far, would have driven me crazy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Aaron Rodgers – would have been an extension of me on the field the way that I feel like Steph Curry would be the extension right. of me as a coach on the court. You got to win well, one I'm, game. I'm taking Rodgers. I'm, I'm taking Rodgers because I gotta, I've got to win the – I can't I can't lose the game before <laughs> I win it. And there were a lot of times in big games, Brett threw the Packers out of a game. Yeah. And All in right. the playoffs, Brett didn't often throw them back in a game. But I've seen Aaron Rodgers in playoff games – the Cowboys in 16, the Falcons in 11, at the Falcons, 
I mean, for three quarters of the game against the Seahawks. I mean, I've seen him in playoff games play at a level that, like, no other quarterback has played at. To me, this is easy. This is Rodgers because I want a shooter at that point, not a scorer. Now, I do think there are times for scores, game gets gritty and grimy. You need a scorer, and I think that's where Brett could have carried you through. But I just feel like Rodgers was not going to give the game away. And listening to him talk football, and I know Brett could too. He's the son of a coach. I know Brett could too. But you just get that Rodgers is so advanced in his understanding yes, 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 of the yes, game. Yes. And, you know, we talked about this, uh, about the Flying Coach podcast, about Matt LaFleur talking about taking a timeout. Rodgers was like, dude, what are you doing? I got this thing. I'm good. We had it. Here's what I was looking at. Here's what I was seeing. He sees the game at a completely different level. I'm going right. Rodgers. I just feel like I have to go Favre here if I have to win one game. I just feel like Favre's going to win the game for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. You're right. He could lose the game. What did he say when he was when he was on that round table with Belichick and Brady and Rich Eisen and Collinsworth for the NFL 100 when Sherman had him in that game against the Rams in the playoffs and he threw like four or five picks already and Sherman said, well, I'm going to pull you. And Favre said, coach, six is the record. <laughs> Leave me in. Let me have a shot at it. That I sounds that. like you. I yeah. freaking love that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Who's better? Next one. Who's better? Better warm-up band quarterback, the guy before the guy, Steve DeBerg or Terod Taylor? And I'm going to base this on who's following. Now, this is a loaded question. It's DeBerg all day long. Yeah, of course. It's He's with the 49ers when they draft Montana. So he gets Montana ready. Yes. Okay. He's with the Broncos when they draft Elway. He gets Elway ready. He's with the Buccaneers when they acquire Steve Young. Oh, Steve and Young, yeah. Steve Young. Yeah. And yeah. he gets Young ready. That's pretty strong. <laughs> That's pretty strong for DeBerg. Wow. Now, to Rod, recent years, Josh Allen, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Now, he wasn't – wait a minute. Was he already out the door when they no, drafted No, he was Allen? in Cleveland by then. Allen oh, was drafted darn it. I can't get So, he him. was already with Baker. Yeah. And then in 2020, he was with Justin Herbert. Johnny, so. who am I missing? What's Who's another warm-up band quarterback that I'm missing? I mean, because Fitzy, you could say to a degree. I was going to say Fitzy. Fitzy was the first one that came to mind, but then I'm like. But who's he uh, really gotten wh- ready? Yeah, I don't you know? know that he ever really kind of prepared he's guys. Got, he's always, you know what he's done? He's delayed franchises development. He's a, he's a <laughs> development delayer. Buffalo, Tennessee, here. <laughs> the Jets. The Jets. Yes. Fitzy's um, just good enough to hold off. Your development as a franchise. Oh, my gosh. And I love him so much. If I could think of – if I could – but he didn't do a really good job. It just felt like everywhere Mike Glennon went – Another guy was coming The next guy stepped up. But it was like Mitchell Trubisky and Blake Bortles, I think. I don't don't know. I mean, it didn't didn't go well for Glennon. I'm trying to think if there are any others. But there's no one – the Berg no stands out. I mean, he's the historical one. Mm-hmm. I mean, for those three quarterbacks, there's I mean, he's he is without a doubt that guy. And I'm I'm sure there's one that that we're forgetting. Johnny DeBerg um, has a lot of yards. He's got 34,000 yards. Yeah. He's got more yards than Tony Romo and Russell Wilson and Andy wow. Dalton and Phil Sims and Steve Young. 
DeBerg has more yards than all those guys. Troy Aikman, Kurt Warner, Ken Anderson, Cam Newton, Mark Brunel. DeBerg has more yards, and he and it feels like he's never started, <laughs> but he has. Well, Kurt Warner, you, well, Kurt Warner, you could say was the warm up <laughs> was the warm up man for Mark Bulger. He was also the warm up man for Eli Manning. Right. He was also the warm-up man for Matt Leinart, but then that got flipped on but its head. And then he stole the job. And then he stole the job. And That's kind of like what Fitzy does. That's what Fitzy sort of does, right? Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. Kurt up, Warner is more like Fitzy. You're right. And then and then Warner ends up back in the Super Bowl. They're going to – well, they've made the movie about him. I've seen the trailer on the Kurt yes. Warner film, by the way, and I, I like it. I think it's pretty good. A lot of people teased them about – the foot is looking hokey or whatever. It looks fine. It looks fine. It's a great story to tell. It's a, it's great, a great story, story to tell. Um, I just hope that Zachary Levy can throw a little bit better than some of the trailer shows, but I oh, can live that, with is that. Is that a problem? Yeah. All right. Yeah, all it's right. a little bit of one. You got to come bit. up with a better way to shoot that then. You know, if the actor is good enough, you got to find a better way to uh, shoot it. Like Bagger Vance, Matt Damon Swing. Eh. You know, and, and Jim Caviezel is Bobby Jones. It doesn't quite look like what you would expect yeah. Bobby Jones swing to look like. All right. Who's better? Next one. The Olympics are upon us. Team USA and basketball not doing so hot. But anyway, Ooh. better Olympic sport, basketball or track and field. That's probably an easy one, too. Ooh. No, it's track and field. It's track and field, isn't it? Be it's track better and field. Olympic sport to me. Look, I know that basketball at the Olympics, there's a lot of history here. You know, we have the 72 games with that Doug Collins team that got robbed by the Soviets. You've got the dream team in 92. You got everything else in basketball. But track and field is track and field. I, yeah. History for days. And what other time do you ever care about track and field but the Olympics? To me, yeah. basketball should barely be an Olympic sport. Again, I know there's history, but I don't like it that tennis – you know, tennis, golf, these should not be Olympic no. sports. Have the Olympic sports be sports where the Olympics is the biggest thing in that sport. Now, basketball, it shouldn't be. The world championship should mean a whole lot more. The world yes. cup of basketball, but it just doesn't. It's the Olympics. However, I'll go back to track and field being a superior sport. I prefer the winter Olympic sports myself, but track and field probably superior. I'm sorry. I stole your thunder. Go ahead. No, I, I love the speed events. I always have. I mean, the, the 100 meters, the buildup for the 100 meters, to watch Usain Bolt, to watch, you know, Carl Lewis back in the day, uh, you know, to watch Michael Johnson run a, the 200 meters. And Michael Johnson had a, a, seemingly some of the worst running form ever, but he goes to Atlanta and runs a 19.32 in the 200 meters. And it's like, yo, there's something about – that's watching on television. Mm -hmm. I remember we, we moved to Texas in 1983 and a couple of my dad's coaching buddies said, Hey, we're going to go down to the state track meet. And I think it was 1984 and he was from Dallas. I want to say it was Dallas South Oak cliff, maybe been Dallas car. I can't remember, but there was a, there was a sprinter by the name of Roy Martin. I think his name was, and I had come from Wisconsin. I had not seen speed. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching this guy run the 200 meters and I'm like, oh my God, I'm in seventh grade. And I'm like, I'm not running track, but I'm like, dad, I 
can't run like that guy does. <laughs> he looked at me and he goes, don't worry, son, nobody can. He goes, he's going to the Olympics. I'm like, really? Like, and he did. I think he ended up going to the Olympics. There, I mean, Joe Deloach at Bay City, I mean, the speed, it's just incredible to watch fast people up close in person. It's- I can only imagine what that is like watching that event while you're there, watching mm-hmm. in person. I-, I can imagine it's just incredible. All right, Johnny, we have one more segment here. The All-Star Game is upon us in Major League Baseball. So improve the Pro Bowl for me. That's next, among other things, here on Texans Radio. It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. So great to have you listening. And, Johnny, the All-Star Game is tonight. Now, I got some ideas for the Pro Bowl. I would imagine you do, too, because whenever we have an All-Star event in any sport, it makes me think of how can you make the Pro Bowl better? in the NFL. And I know that people could show me footage from the eighties where the pro bowl was played with a little more verve perhaps in Honolulu <laughs> yeah. than it is these days. And I know we didn't have one last year because of COVID this year, it's scheduled to be in Vegas. What are you thinking here? Well, first off, put it in Vegas. That was, that was a good start. <laughs> so I have an alternative to the pro bowl. Okay. I thought about this one for a while and actually somebody tweeted it the other day and I was like, man, they stole my idea. Take the two teams with the worst record Mm. and have them play and the winner gets the number one pick. The loser gets the number two pick. Oh my gosh. That is the best thing I've ever heard of. That is so awesome. That's that's not going to watch that. Now people will make fun of some of the action or lack thereof or maybe, but look, the worst teams in the NFL still can play some football. And if they're matched up with another worst team, you probably have a pretty good game. Along those lines, though, there's so many different storylines that go with that. I mean, right. can you even just take take this year? This year's game would have been the Jags and the Jets. Ooh. Sam Darnold for the Jets is, is trying to get the number one pick. So it's get the win. So his team can get the number one pick to take Trevor Lawrence to replace him. There would be so many awesome storylines in a game of that magnitude. But they play, but give them, give them like a super, give the players like a Super Bowl championship winning share. And those two play, and the winner gets the number one pick in the draft at the top of each round, winning that particular game. I, I kind of like this. How about this? How about this? You have, you know, the NBA has the play in tournament, right? Well, whatever yeah. it is, the play in games now. You have the sub playoffs. <laughs> you have <laughs> you have the bottom four going at it in a final four. The sub playoffs, right? Yeah. You do it on Monday night after the divisional round. You play the the four. You have a double header, or maybe you go Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday, and then the following off week Sunday. That's your number one pick championship game, and you do away with the Pro Bowl. Oh my gosh, I have chills. I don't know if that's going to work or not. That's what you do. Because that's, here's the that's what you do. Football is a game of hitting, right? If you can't yeah. hit, you can't really play football. The Pro Bowl, you're not going to hit. The last one I saw was the 2019 capper, right? And I yeah. just thought, you know what? Some of this is the way you need to play this. Some of it was basically like a thud joint practice yes. where you're just wrapping the guy up, blow the play dead. Right. No, don't take people to the ground. Everyone understands. And guess what? You still get to see great catches and coverage and that aspect of the game. 
Uh, yeah. Look, the blocking and pass rush is never going to be the same, but at least you see the ball in the air and some action. I think it's a, it's a win-win. You do get some action. You do get enough to get a taste of it. Uh, maybe a little bit of a TV rating. The guys get to have some fun in Vegas or wherever you're going to have it. I really wish you would go back to Honolulu, but they've got to fix up Aloha Stadium, which is the biggest dump in the world as far as stadiums go. Yeah, I don't even know if they're going to go back to Aloha Stadium ever. That I think it's condemned yeah. for for good. I mean, the uh, University of Hawaii. Hawaii's University of Hawaii is building a stadium. They're actually they're playing this year on in like a smaller on campus stadium as they're building a new stadium. It they won't be as to. big as Aloha Stadium, but it's going to be a, a University of Hawaii-only stadium. And, I mean, the, the Aloha, Aloha Stadium is condemned. It's condemned. Ooh. The other thing, the only other way you're going to get guys to really, like, if you want to get the Pro Bowl back, you got to get, like, you know, I don't know, like an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos to say, I got $100 million for the winner. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. And then I don't even know hard. if you're going to – I don't even know if you're going to get to that. You know, put up about a hundred million. But I think, I think what you do with the Pro Bowl, Vegas, L.A., Orlando, Miami, rotate it. Those four places you rotate it. Um, I, honestly, just me. You put the Super Bowl. You should put the Super Bowl in three or four locations, and then you rotate them such that each year. The Pro Bowl, one of the, the Pro Bowls in one of those four cities. The Super Bowl oh, yeah. is in one of those four cities. I don't what like Orlando, that? though. I don't think Orlando. No, I don't love Orlando, but the if you got Miami, not good. You can, well, yeah, you could go Miami, Las Vegas, L.A. Done. Yeah, I, and your Super Bowl idea, I get it, and I'm actually for it. If I'm going to go to the Super Bowl every year because I want to have good weather, but. I oh, get it. Orleans. When somebody builds a stadium, they want it. So Vegas is going to get theirs. L.A. obviously. Uh, already has that. And anybody else coming up with a new stadium here that I haven't thought of lately? Hmm. Somebody's okay. considered. Oh, uh, well, you're not going to put the game in Buffalo. That's going to put that. That's going to put that to the test uh, unless they make some sort of retractable dome or whatever. They, but they need I that. know Buffalo's been in talks about having a new stadium. So it'd be interesting to see what the Pagulas do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there is some talk about that, uh, a, a new stadium up in Buffalo and we'll see, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, the interesting aspect, the game's going to be in Las Vegas. And now the Raiders are there. The Knights are there. And now it looks like potentially the Oakland A's might yeah. end up going to Las Vegas. Las Vegas is becoming a three-sport, could be a three-sport professional town they, when you wouldn't even sniff it 10, 12 years ago. You wouldn't. Uh, and the they A's, if close. they move, it better be an indoor facility. That's all I got to say. It gets a mm-hmm. little warm there in the summer. Johnny, thanks a lot. Ooh. You got it, Mark. Thank you. Join us tomorrow. Another program coming your way. John McClain on Thursday as we roll toward camp in a couple of weeks here. Thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Texans.